Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Pentagram, dedicated to Henry Farmer. In the year of the primal war, in the dawn of the Man mastered the mammoth and horse, man was the lord of the earth. He made him an hollow skin from the heart of a holy tree. He compassed the earth therein, man was the lord of the sea. He controlled the vigorous steam, he harnessed the lightning for hire, he drove the celestial team, both man was the lord of the fire. Well, 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 my friends, this is episode 56 of Agitators Anonymous. I am Alan Averill. Out of the gate, follow me on the gram, Nemthiango underscore primordial. Over on Patreon, where I do bonus podcasts and all sorts of other stuff, songs, demos, rehearsals sometimes, um, patreon.com slash Alan Averill will support the show. Over on my YouTube channel, I've started to make other videos and content, I think called Call from the Grave, looking back at bands' careers, I'm looking at some old vinyls, that kind of thing. All right. Listen, subscribe, share, whatever you can, whatever you want to do. So I'm very proud to announce a new sponsor for the show, and that's the record label Eisenwald. You probably know them from WADA, U-A-D-A, Mosaic, plenty of other bands, Over the Voids, Panzerfaust, Fellwarden, Vilnius, a whole host of really kind of amazing, dark, atmospheric bands. And you only need to use the promo code ALAN, A-L-A-N, and you will get 10% off your order this month. And that's at www.eisenton.de forward slash shop. And that's for Europe and the world. So go and take a look. Like I said dark, liberating, atmospheric energy and all at really good competitive prices. This is a proper underground label that's having their dark moment in the sun. So go to it, Eisenwald. What are we going to talk about today? Well, some of you may know and some of you may not know. 
I travelled to take part in the Roadburn Redux, which was the Roadburn live stream. Obviously, because Roadburn, like all other festivals, could not happen again this year. Um, the whole live music industry is literally on its knees. Um, it's now been 14, 15 months without live shows and metal, rock, punk rock, whatever you want to call it, looks like being the last that's let out of the pen, if it is. And that's kind of what I'm going to discuss um, today. How I got there, um, how much of a hassle, the problems, the things that you're going to have to consider when you travel. I think now I'm very much, I imagine in the future, what it was like to stand on a stage again, take part in the experience. But first, I'm going to set the backdrop of what it exactly was that we were doing. Um, Roadburn is a, a very great festival in Holland that's existed for, I guess, 15 years or maybe more. Garage, psych rock, doom rock, electronica, all sorts of stuff there. Um, and I've been there five, six, maybe seven times. It's always had a, uh, some of my great memories of being at festivals, seeing great bands, very things I would have never seen otherwise um, or been exposed to, whether it was 70s prog rock or... Um, acoustic folk rock or psych rock, garage rock, all sorts of things that were not really my bag, but always a great time, great people. Um, and I've written here and there in magazines and other things about my experiences there. Um, a really a great place. And it was with great sadness you arrived there to stand on the famous, I suppose, the strip parallel to where the 013 is and see it completely shut down, completely empty. Um, everything just closed it was very eerie, very odd, and let's be honest, quite frankly, pretty depressing to see um, what was once such a vibrant street of people mingling, meeting, waiting to see bands, uh, renewing old acquaintances and friendships and all sorts of stuff, and to see it empty. Um, like, well, like everywhere I went, but we'll get to that um, it's the year of curfew and the year of lockdown and pandemic. And what I went and did is what something is something that most people haven't been able to do this year. Um, firstly, my reasons for doing it were m m many. One is because I wanted to make a little bit of a stand, I suppose, for whatever it's worth um, on my terms, which was that I'm a musician. I'm going to go somewhere to play some music. That is what I do. That is who I am. And to make something of a stand in order um, to make that happen, not just be a square on a screen removed to some remote living, um, remote musical um, collaboration where you just dial in from wherever you are and sit playing in front of your camera, blah, blah, blah. You know the story. If you've been listening to the podcast for the last year, you'll know that I've been raging against all of this. What I see is the... Um, corralling of society into some remote living, remote working future and the very obvious attempt to um, deconstruct social society uh, happening before our eyes. But that's not what this re podcast is really about. It's a kind of parallel look at that through a streaming event that I went to take part in um, and what that was like. So I'll set the setting, set the setting, set the setting. Set the scene, I suppose, a little bit. Wolven Nest were a band that um, Dread Sovereign, the other band that I'm in, along with Primordial, where I play the bass and sing. We were literally the last tour out of the gate before lockdown, the last train to leave the station. Um, we were literally on that train. Saturnalia Temple from Sweden, Wolven Nest from Belgium, and Dread Sovereign. And we did a maybe a 16-day tour across Europe. Um, pretty successful. Great vibe, great tour, great people. A lot of great experiences attached to that, but little did I know it would be literally the last time I'd stand on a stage 
um, until that uh, Roadburn Redux, which happened uh, two weeks ago. Um, little did any of us know that that would be literally the music industry, the live music industry, literally brought to its knees. And this podcast is going to be a little bit about that, but also maybe looking at some projections into the future. Like I said, I'm going to make a video primarily only about the music industry and where what problems it's facing over my uh, YouTube channel, almost like a parallel to this podcast. So keep an eye out for that one because it's going to be a bit more succinct, a bit more soundbitey, a little, little bit less waffly, if that's possible. Um, probably not possible if you know me and you've been listening to the podcast for the last year. You'll know my rambling technique is not best suited to succinct, modern, short sound bites that people can share, etc., etc. So the setting was Wolvernest, you know, Belgian band. They were asked by Roadburn to um, basically make a sort of musical collaboration. Roadburn does this often where they will ask a band or a musician to create new music made just for Roadburn, which, you know, they did with all the Icelandic black metal bands, Miss Firning and Svarta Daudi and that kind of thing. So this was what was asked of Wolvernest. And I, um, Alex from Ruins of Beveras, Tommy from Saturnalia Temple, Rianne from Duel were asked to take part in that to add our music, our vocal touches. And I spoke with um, Tommy from Saturnalia Temple and I said, you know, man, we should we should go to this. We should fly into this. We should try and make this happen. Try and be musicians that are actually doing what they're supposed to do, i.e. play music. Something that you would have thought is your inalienable right as free, within freedom of movement to just decide to go, oh, I'm going to go to Edinburgh this weekend or Barcelona or whatever. Now, if you've been listening to me, you'll know my thoughts on where we are as a society right now, the situation we're in, the um, ever rolling feedback loop of lockdown that seems to perpetuate or um, a form of soft authoritarianism. A lot of um, metaphorical uniforms have been dusted off across the Eurozone and I think awakened some rather dark specters from the past. That's my opinion. You may disagree if you wish. That's okay. But like I said, I did say this in episode one, two or three. Watch how we're held in place till the biometric passport is confirmed. And here we are. Anyway, this is not a podcast for me to just whinge on about those sort of polemics or whatever. Um, because I do understand um, people are quite weary about that. And right now things are there are some things that are slowly opening back up and people want to have a sense of hope, a sense of something to aim for. And I get that. So I'm not going to keep whinging on about that. Um, you know my opinion or you will know my opinion about all those kind of things. But this is not what this podcast is about. It's about um, a sort of analysing some of the very mundane and banal experiences that um, I took part in. Certainly some people said to me, oh, it must be great to have a break. And my initial answer was no, not really, because it wasn't really a break, because it was literally the same um, feeling as Dublin. Dublin has been in the most strict lockdown for 14, 15 months, more than any other city in the Eurozone. And I just found that literally, you know, Brussels, Tilburg um, and into Germany, it was variations on the same shit sandwich. It might have been a different animal that... Um, different animals excrement that you were you know uh, buttering onto your bread but it was shit nonetheless because like I said it didn't feel like um, 
what I suppose people would flippantly say, oh, must be great to have a break or a holiday. Certainly wasn't like that. So let's get into it. Let's get into it. First off, Hate Couture, H-A-T-E-C-O-U-T-U-R-E, 616.com. They sponsor the show. Hateful yet tasteful clothing, apparel, all that kind of thing. T-shirts venerating serial killers and tyrants. You know it. You know it. It's heavy metal. What do you want? Go to the website and put in the pod or put in the code Alan, A-L-A-N, and you will get free shipping. All right, take a look, take a look. Well, first off, I'm going to go through some rather mundane things that you need to do or will need to do um, to travel anywhere right now. There are people traveling. When you, the, the flight over was about half full. Um, contrary to pop- popular belief, um, people are traveling to do things. Now, that's up to them, whatever that is, I don't know. For me, it was work, as in I am a musician and this is my um, this is essential travel. Now, your opinion of whether that is or that isn't um, is up to you. But some things have to still turn in the world. And my um, opinion about that was that or my statement of small intent for whatever it was worth was that I'm going to go and take part in this as a human being and not be reduced to, um, as I said, just an avatar on a screen because I'm not quite ready to submit completely to all of that. Um, But we'll, you know, as I've said before, uh, admit that I hope to be wrong about um, my perception and my view of what might be coming looming into view. Um, However, the truth is that you do need um, you do need a PCR test to travel. There is no doubt about that. The cost of which vary from 40 to 140 euro, depending on where you get them. If you're an, an um, I think, you you know, the inhabitants of whenever every country can get them for free. If you're um, you're referred to for, by your doctor, etc. I paid for mine in Dublin. I would get four of these tests uh, at a total cost of about 400 euro and a rapid antigen test meaning the total cost for um, bringing me, not even counting flights or hotels, um, the total uh, testing cost of bringing me as a musician to Roadburn to sing was about 450 euro. Now, as you can see, it doesn't take um, a mathematical genius to work out that that is financially impossible. It's uh, Economically, it's not viable as a musician to travel to anything. And if these um, things stay in place, now you will say, well, of course, we'll all be vaccinated by then. I'll get on to that because I can see some things, some structures that have grown up that I think are going to be pretty hard to shake loose from the tree. But we'll get to that. So you take your you take your test, you get down to the gate, um, you're asked for your passenger locator form electronically, um, despite the fact that you can fill it out just um, in paper form when you land at the other end. What you learn quickly traveling or what I learned quickly traveling through these few different countries on these days was that um, it's bureaucratic chaos. It's a kind of mess. Um, and look, if this if this uh, situation is as serious as we're told it is, then the fact that a Ryanair employee decides who does and doesn't go from one country to the next is quite frankly ludicrous, let's be honest. Um, if it's as serious as we're told, you would leave it to the discretion of um, some poor hassled Ryanair employee at the gate who's got 50 different people asking 50 different questions because nothing is explained properly. 
it was chaos. A form of chaos, I mean, that I have seen many times on Ryanair flights, just set to a different backdrop. Um, and I don't blame the employees because they don't really know the rules. And that's what you learn, is that no one quite really knows what's happening. Now, in terms of people who see what's happening as some huge, big Machiavellian plot, you know, I understand. I've talked about the Great Reset. I've talked about um, all of these kind of things. The idea that all of that is just some um, has just some soft, precise landing and everybody just toes the line and falls into line is impossible. It's bureaucratic chaos um, and left to the left in the hands of just regular employees. Strange, but that's what happens. And when you land and they take your papers off you. OK, so then quarantining. Quarantining different countries of different days, which they require you to to quarantine for. In Ireland, they're making it 14 days, um, literally frog marching people off um, planes and quarantining them for 14 days, giving them numbers instead of names, hospital food, an hour out to um, stretch their legs every day. Crazy stuff, crazy stuff that um, would not be allowed under any other circumstance. Uh, I don't know. All I can say is it's Again, signposts on the soft, the soft landing to authoritarianism, my friends. That's how I kind of judge it. So obviously, if you have a negative test, you're not going. You're not going anywhere. Um, or sorry, a, oh, a positive test, you're not going anywhere. That's you know that's understood. And then um, to go from Belgium to Holland, then another PCR test. Uh, this one a little bit cheaper. Um, the noise being made around traveling is that you are going to have to present things every time you cross a border. But even under this circumstance and situation, my rationality was that surely Europe isn't really, really like the whole purpose of the EU itself is about freedom of movement. They're not going to put um, soldiers um, and cops on border crossings between Germany and Holland and France and all these countries which really echoes the 1930s and it really sends out very dangerous signals no one could deny but that was not true um you know it was business as usual driving between point a and point b upon arriving uh in holland then you had to present a, another um negative test to enter the building roadburn was I mean, look, it, I, it's no secret. I've been there before, several times and it's a brilliant festival, but it was um, very sad to see what had happened. And a huge empty room would take three or four thousand people. Um, skeleton staff, they had set everything up brilliantly. There was a mobile editing suite right behind the stage and you could watch them at work. Um, brilliant, brilliant, um, focused, um, determined work by all the staff. I've been on that stage several times and the crew are amazing. The sound was amazing and the vibe We'd rehearsed a little bit um, in Belgium together and we'd, um, you know, put the songs together. The guys had written from Wolven Nest. But when everybody got there, Rianne and Alex and uh, Tommy and Bones from Dread Sovereign was playing the guitar as well. And when it all came together, it really was a very kind of special feeling on the stage. It was very strange to look out into, well, what would have been the crowd, but... Um, well, it was just literally the the, um, the tracks upon which, um, I don't know, there's probably a technical word for that I should have looked up, but the um, little train tracks that the cameras um, are pushed along to get all the different angles and all that kind of thing. You know what I'm talking about. To see a huge empty room 
Now, okay, it felt like to me, I've made a couple of videos with Primordial, maybe Babel's Tower and a few other things. Um, I'm, I'm not a fan of making videos. I find it repetitive and a bit dull. But the process intrigues me. Um, but this was like making um, like a live, um, a live video, a kind of stage lit, um, super impressive live video. Uh, and you played live. You weren't playing along to a backing tra track as they would have done back in the 80s or whatever. Um, so to take it as that for what it was, it felt really, really great. And to step out on a stage again, I have to admit, as somebody who's a little bit linear with these things, I felt quite emotional. Um, stepping out onto the stage, it was kind of like, okay, here I am back where I actually belong to do something, um, to do something real, to do something human, to um, to make something of a small stand for whatever it's worth against what I perceive as uh, some form of anti-humanism. You can disagree if you want, and that's okay. Like I've said many times on the podcast, if we get to um, zero, to back open, to... Um, you're now allowed to live your life again, then you can happily buy me a beer at a festival and tell me that I went a bit crazy for a while and I'll happily concede that. But for now, this is how it is. And this is what I see. The testing thing is clear to me that this is now a, um, a huge industry. This is, a, this is an industry in itself. And speaking to lots and lots of industry people on a huge Zoom call, uh, when I came back about what's happening. There are some festivals happening in places like Poland, uh, the UK. You've probably seen inf information about something in Liverpool as well. But they're requiring people, even with a vaccination, to have another antigen test um, on top of that. Kind of like buying a phone, but then having no credit, so to say. So you've got to buy the top up and put yourself in 1998 or 2002. And that's kind of what it's like. And I have a very, I hope to be proved wrong, of course. But I have a feeling this is something that it will stay because it's such a cash cow. And so many industries have lost money that now they have a cash cow to milk. And that will be um, asking everybody for um, an extra rapid test on top of their vaccination, whatever that is. And that's going to make things very, very difficult. I mean, I'll go into this on my YouTube video, but as a band touring... Um, if every country in Europe is going to ask for different variations on the same theme and you're trying to travel between them to play a show every night as you do on tour, there just isn't the time to go and take another test every two days. And then if somebody was to test positive, the whole tour, the gig is cancelled. You can't plan anything on that basis. And it seems um, incredibly arbitrary if you've already got the jab, then why is that needed? Now, of course, I'm hypothesizing in a dark way that it might not happen like that at all. Um, because, as I said, it's clear to me that there is a bureaucratic weight to this. As somebody said to me, if the gulag doesn't get you, the paperwork will. And there's some truth <laughs> to that, which is that the bureaucracy, the it's, it's deliberately made confusing, I feel. Um, and some of it just genuinely is, genuinely is confusing. For example, on the way back, you arrive in um, Berlin Airport, and you have to connect to get home to Dublin and they go, oh, they changed the laws in Holland yesterday. Now you need a test within 24 hours and you go, but laboratories don't offer that um, service. Yeah, but OK, so now you have to go and take another test in the airport. OK, another 50 euro. If that was to test positive, where would you go? What would you do? Or they would probably put you in one of those hotel, health, spa, resort camps, whatever you want. I don't know. It wasn't laid out to me what would happen 
And again, it was um, EasyJet employees at the sharp end of the spear who were having people shout at them and they were getting stressed out. And you felt again that the crushing weight of chaotic bureaucracy was really weighing a lot of this down. Now, in a way, that made me feel a bit more, a little bit comforted because it felt like, oh, this is politics as usual. This is not the new world order um, marching in step, you know, in unison across the Eurozone. Um, so what this whole experience did is it kind of clipped the edges of every argument off for me, so to speak, or it kind of like vanquished some of the outlying opinions. Um, it also made me very aware of the fact that when you go from city to city and you see curfew at nine and you see all of the social elements of social society just literally derelict, pushed to the brink, people really pushed to the edge with how to cope with all of this. Anybody who tells me there isn't something, <laughs> something else happening, um, an attempt to restructure social society um, and small businesses, whatever, I think you've got to be mad to not observe the, as I said, the signposts on the road to authoritarianism, that an awful lot of civil liberties and freedoms and all the kind of things I've been talking about the last year have literally just been, um, respect for them has been thrown out the window with some of the arbitrary and, quite frankly, inhumane rules and laws that now we have just accepted as standard, as um, this is just how it is now. So on the one hand, I see crushing, chaotic bureaucracy, um, politics as usual, trying to stumble in the dark, trying to figure this out with some good people, with some good intentions, trying to find their way, trying to figure this out. And on the other hand, of course, um, some manipulation um, as agents of power and influence and state have rushed into the gap to um, take certain things um, as their right to implement elements of social control. Blah, de, blah, de, blah. But what was it like to actually stand on the stage again? Yes, thank you for putting me back on track. Um, yeah, like I said, it was quite emotional. I was determined to do the best job that I could in the circumstances. And it felt great to then sit in the backstage, the distanced backstage and have a beer. But after an hour, you were back out on the street and it was empty, desolate, curfew. Um, you couldn't have a beer in the bar in the hotel. You couldn't sit in the hotel rooms. So quite literally, I an hour and a half after playing, the first gig in 14, 15 months was sitting in a hotel room just watching football highlights. And that's kind of... Um, it felt very strange. It felt very, very odd. It felt if if it's a signpost on the way to recovery, then I was very happy to take part in it. If the patient is being resuscitated and going to be allowed to leave the hospital, then um, pun intended, then it was very good to take part in. But if it was a signpost, I keep using that word signpost. If it was an example, a view, a portal into how this is going to be from now on, i.e., just stream from your own country. Don't travel anywhere else. People who want to see you from other countries can just tune in and look. Um, and you, as a musician, aren't going anywhere. If it's a view into that, the idea that um, everything is just going to be streaming, well, then it's my vision of hell, to be honest, as a musician. Um, because, as I said before, the Arts Council here, just talking about everything being streaming stages and... You've heard me talk about this kind of stuff before. As my friend Ivar from Enslave said, we started bands to be in rooms with people, not to be on our own, um, not to be working remotely, not to be sitting um, staring at a screen. That's just 
why we started being in a band. To not be that moves you really from being a musician to a content creator. So like I said, if this is a temporary measure, um, which I hope, and many of you hold out an awful lot of hope for it being so, and good for you because you're going to have to drag me along in your slipstream of positivity to somewhere. Let's see where we land. It felt like an example of this is how things may be. But the fact is that there's no there's no economy that works in this circumstance whereby, and I said it, I made notes, there are notes in front of me here, and one of them simply just says risk and jeopardy, i.e. if you're taking an extra little top-up jab on top of your, or a top-up test on top of your jab, and a band arrives at an airport and drummer tests positive, band can't go. So you can never book a festival properly in advance. You can't book flights in advance. The band can't go, okay, we confirm this in nine months and travel because who knows uh, who may have a false positive or are you going to get there? So it means that the chances are the next six, nine, 12 months will be local bands playing small local shows and huge bands who have the economy to cope with all of the um, procedures that are going to um, maybe be implemented. I've heard stories about there being um, special, you know, special employees now going to have to be employed at the entrances to every venue. And as I said, you know, when you buy a ticket for a show, you're going to have to prove several different things, etc., etc., etc. So like I said, if it's temporary, then listen, it was temporary and good to do. Um, but if it was a glimpse into the future, then yeah. So for me, it was very important to go through the procedure to see what it was like, to see how much difference there is between countries. And the reality was there wasn't much. The Dutch seemed to be doing it the best in the sense that their shops all weren't shut and they had little tables at the front of every door and you could window shop and you could um, scan a code and they would bring you things to your to the door. Um, like in, whereas in Ireland, businesses have just been shut. Uh, Fully, you know, the Grafton Street, you've maybe you've walked around it to Temple Bar You when you've been a tourist coming to London. It's more or less derelict, most of it, just boarded up, shut. Um, there's nothing in there coming back. And what will come back? Because uh, unless you can tell small business people, um, yeah, this is never going to happen again. Why would you open a small business knowing that next September, October, the shutters come down again? So, look, these are problems I don't have the answer to. They're just my observations. As I said before, the podcast is my hypotheticals. And yeah, sure, they're dark. But what did you expect? You've heard Primordial, right? Yeah wasn't created in a vacuum. I didn't lick it off a stone, as they said. The variations in themes between the different countries were very little. A um, lot of police presence in some places, none in others. Um, I woke up in the hotel after the gig, gig, um, to find all of the sports pitches outside the hotel uh, full with teams playing. Teams, not just people kicking a ball around. Um, and I watched a hockey match, um, a game I used to play a lot. And it was quite, even that was kind of quite oddly emotional to see people out playing sport, doing healthy things for mind and body that they never should have been told not to do. Um, and then contrast that with Ireland where there's padlocks on sports pitches where young kids are encouraged not to go out and play with other young kids. Criminal, terrible, shameful. But the Dutch seem to have a better handle on it, which, you know, I suppose is hardly surprising when you consider 
a country a quarter the size of Ireland with 14 million people when it, or whatsoever, which runs on a basically a sort of cooperative system, maybe is a little bit less flippant with its implementations of a draconian nature. So, yep, yeah, another you get. I got four tests in 12 days, um, you know, followed the rules um, or however many days it was. And then coming back and listening to people on Zoom talk about how, uh, like I said, there is going to be, I heard a story about one festival next summer proposing to have rapid tests for every person of an 18,000 crowd every day of a festival. Um, Now, I know the sensical sensical tentacle (laughs) the sensible among you are wondering well what's the point in getting the jab if we all have to have the the rapid one and the whatever and you look I can't sense make of that Um, I don't really understand and also what I will say is that these are projections onto next year and we all know that that could change uh, immensely in the next month in the next two months I'd read number three metalblade.com this, uh, this um, op- offer is specifically for North America. So if you want to buy the new Cannibal Corpse, um, Dread Sovereign, Primordial, Fate's Warning, some old Slayer, etc., etc., just put in the promo code AAPODCAST and you will get 10% off. Yeah, new Cannibal, why not? Who wouldn't want that? Yeah, exactly. Black Dahlia Murder, all sorts of stuff. Right then. Where was I? Um, yeah, really, so the experience was... Um, I've got to stop saying M as well. Um, maybe you can, uh, maybe you can have a drinking game. Every time I say it, you can do a shot. I'd say you'd be pretty hammered by now, or pretty hammered after twenty minutes of most podcasts. Um, you may have risen. Ha! Ah, did it again. You may have figured it out that I don't really run from a, a script. Maybe I should, but yeah, maybe not. So what I was trying to say is that is it a temporary glimpse into the future or is it just um no well that doesn't sound right is it temporary or is it a glimpse into whatever this future is i don't know it's very hard to say because there are some very boring mundane things to consider and one of those is insurance it's something that most people when they think about the live music industry now don't really consider and that is that um governments may abdicate responsibility and say well look you don't have to do this if you don't want but it's up to local businesses and venues and whatever if they let you in and they're all going to have pressure put on them by insurance companies who are going to go we're not going to insure you for that so then how does your around the corner from me is a very famous live venue in Ireland called Whelan's how does that survive do they have to jump through hoops to put in new ventilation do do they have to change the structure of the building you can't distance in a 300 venue I mean look if distancing says that's the end of social society, plain and simple. But are, is that venue going to have to be literally, literally remodeled and then have to jump through arbitrary health and safety hoops whereby people are going to have to, um, they're going to have to like airport scanning machines before you come in? I don't know. Again, it all remains to be seen. Um, we've been told in Ireland that we're going to have an outdoor summer. It hasn't quite been explained to me the wisdom behind that, but that's how it is for now. Who knows? Maybe it'll rain all summer. Very possible. It's Ireland, right? Anyway. So the experience is, or was, in turns, uh, uplifting to see other musicians, to be able to stand in a room, finally again, and look at people and get that 
special, uh, almost spiritual energy you get from playing together in a room with other people, putting things together, going, oh, why don't you play that bit? And I'll do this bit and watching, um, watching my friend uh, when we're harmonizing with the vocals, watching Rianne do her thing, um, the joy bring, she brings to the stage, uh, all these kind of things, watching everybody with their shit-eating grins, um, being human together with something they're creating, a piece of art, a piece of something um, of themselves that will outlive them, something immemorial, I suppose. And my all my socials lit up afterwards. I had 50, 70, 80 messages from people who just said they watched it. Members of my own family, all sorts of people going, oh my God, that was amazing. And let's be honest, Roadburn wheeled out the production values big time. It did look amazing. It sounded amazing. They really um, put the pedal to the metal. So all, all um, respect to the Roadburn people for really making um, a huge deal of it, because they kind of had to. They kind of had to. They had to stamp their position of um, their 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 stamp of class on our you know on the whole thing, which they do do to all of their festivals throughout the years. The beautifully curated aesthetic that they have. They had to make this happen. But I could see the sadness on everybody's faces. Uh, And even worse than that, the kind of desolation, the demoralization, the depression on people's faces when they just kind of looked around and saw a skeleton staff of people all distanced, um, despite the fact that anybody in the building had to have a negative test anyway. But that's just what's now been inculcated within people. That's just how things kind of are without asking. But, of course, legally, you understand why venues um, do it. Now, are small venues, are rock and roll venues, dive bars, are they going to have to do this kind of thing? Will there be a kind of under-the-table touring circuit? It's very hard to know because um, I'm going to make a video about biometrics as well, a short video about biometric passports. But if a biometric passport correlates all of your, or may correlate all of your data, then um, doing things like that is going to be very, very difficult. And those are the those are the small white lies of rock and roll, the small the small white lies of society and culture that that make the wheels go round. And those things may be very very well in danger. Like I said, it may come to a point whereby um, in a couple of months people can go, oh look, see, you were over the top about this, and people are begun to get annoyed at me qualifying that. But I am um, cognizant of the fact that people do sometimes listen because they do hate your opinion. Um, I suppose there's a word and a definition for that. And they are looking for you to say things out of tune and go, look what he's advocating. I'm advocating nothing. They're hypotheticals. They're opinions, they're observations. So that's why I went and I did that. It's why I decided to travel um, was to observe firsthand and see what is happening. And the truth of the matter is that it's an awful lot more mundane and boring than you're led to believe by mainstream media. I mean, look, we know the media, if it bleeds, it leads, has been a maxim of the media for many, many years. So, of course, you know, disaster journalism uh, gains clicks. They're not going to tell you, well, you know, things aren't really that desperate, that bad, etc. That's just not their job, really, is it? I mean, moderate man says reasonable thing is not something that gets many clicks in the year 2021. I did a podcast on that in 1971 or whenever it was a million years ago. Um, but like I said, to v- to view it up close and to view some of the decision making and some of the um, hassles and hoops you have to jump through. And then you realize, wow, 
that's this very great decision being placed on the shoulders of a Ryanair employee, um, for example, struck me as um, quite um, farcical. You know, what did I call the 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 Capitol Hill experience? High treason and high farce at the same time. Um, I wouldn't go so far as to use the word treason, but it was certainly high something. Highfalutin. Anyway, so as a musician, it was good to go and prove oneself to go and do something human and also to make a little stand or a little statement on my own terms to go, look, I came and I came further than anybody else to come and do this um, rather than just phone in my voice. But the feeling was, I suppose, sort of bittersweet, sort of bittersweet. And none of us really know quite how the cards are going to fall. As I said, I'm going to make a YouTube video about this and the chances are most gigs this year will just are not going to happen. I mean, I can say that with a position of reasonable authority that you can pretty much forget it this year in most countries. I hope to be wrong about that and I hope to be wrong about next year. But the problem will be is that certain methods of um, social, certain methods of social society are going to change and alter irrevocably, immeasurably. And quite where we uh, or rock and roll fits into that, I don't know. To sum up, to sum up episode 56, it's a, it's a complicated podcast to do because it's, it's many conflicting opinions because it doesn't provide me with a resolution. Um, and that's one of the great problems, um, you know, emotionally, intellectually, innately with this situation is that there's no line in the sand where you're told you get your life back now. You get that thing that you did before. You get your identity, your purpose, your agency, your reason for being creative. Um, and in many cases, a very great part of your reason for existing. Let's not be, you know, we can say that. Let's not downplay that. If this has been your identity for X amount of years and you live to create, then this is what you do without sounding like Miss World or whatever. This is, standing on a stage, is such a huge part of that. If not for me, the greatest part of it. And so to have that taken is like having a limb taken from you. Um, and the idea of just being corralled into only doing streamings, I'd said in a surreptitious way to someone, well, it's kind of like someone saying, okay, yeah, you can never have sex anymore. You can never have intimacy anymore. In fact, all you can watch is late 1970s porn. And that's kind of it. That's kind of meh, in a dumb teenage boy way. Um, and I was a dumb teenage boy uh, way of saying that that's what streaming is for me. And that's if streaming is the potential future, then um, I've said it before, but I'm probably out. Um, it's it's not going to be for me. Um, I'm going to go and live in, um, I don't know, Mexico or Guatemala or Ukraine or something uh, far away from the, you know, the blast zone of um, soft authoritarianism that seems to be mooching up the street towards us. That's a rather awful analogy. Mooching. Mooching. Is that an Irish term? See, look, I'm just, and now I'm just randomly talking to myself. That's what this is, isn't it? A random madman in a random room talking random this and that. What I was trying to get to before my uh, madness took over, what I was trying to get to is 
it didn't provide me with a resolution. It gave me um, a moments of very great joy, fleeting though they were, because of the back of my head was constantly, because of the nature of who I am, but the back of my head was constantly like, is this it now? Is this how this is? Um, and also, it gave me a very mundane and boring, but very clear understanding of the levels of bureaucracy um, that uh, paperwork and um, new rules and regulations that you're going to have to jump through to get to somewhere from point A to point B. Um, and whether that's possible for musicians economically, if it stays um, like it is now, then no is absolutely the word. It's absolutely not economically viable. If certain, uh, I suppose, structural economies are dismantled to allow people to go and do these things again, then yes, it is possible. But going from one border to the other is going to be complex. And because one of the tenets, as I said, the concept of the European Union is the freedom of travel once you're within its borders. So the idea that going from, let's say, Holland to Germany will have a whole completely different set of rules goes against and contravenes the basic principles of the, United, of the European Union. I mean, some would say that uh, the idea of lockdown for over a year contravenes the basic principles of human rights that were enshrined in many conventions in the European Union, the Geneva Convention, perhaps. And I would argue they're probably right. We just inherited uh, an authoritarian um, reaction from the uh, CCP and placed it upon our society. And now we're in this feed la feedback loop where I feel we don't, not, don't know how to get out of it. Of course, I could be wrong and you can disagree with me. That's perfectly fine. Now, of course, that has nothing to do with how I feel about standing on the stage. But the fact is that that, that hour of being part of that with Wolvernest will most likely be the only time that um, I stand on a stage this year. So there won't be a primordial this year, I would imagine, just like last year, which means um, no shows with the thing that's been intimately part of your life for 29 years, for two years in a row. And I have a very very dark feeling that at some stage things act as a circuit breaker on society and certain people will just go well you know that just belongs in the past that's kind of how it was this is how it is now I'm going to also do a podcast on something else which I've been thinking about which is why this situation appeals to some people like I said it would been a while since I last sat in front sat here behind the microphone and made a podcast that was really relevant to this week because I lined up three or four in a row before I went. Um, you know, as I said, the one with Fernando from Moonspell, which was great to talk to him, Josh Barnett, making an album, etc. But none of them were particularly about this situation. So what did I learn? Um, I learned that I wasn't... Um, I, well, it's very complicated to say, um, as uh, my answer is to most things. But like I said, it trimmed some of the outlying opinions. Like I said, if this is the, you know, the, the New World Order marching in um, step across um, nation after nation, then they're doing it in a rather haphazard way, I have to say. Um, and I don't think, as I said, um, employees of budget airlines are marching at the front of that in step. <laughs> it's just a bureaucratic, chaotic mess that you cannot ascribe that much, that much malice to. But on the other side, it's clear to me when you look at rows and rows of empty streets and empty cities, curfews at nine, people literally being told, that's it now, stay inside. Um, social society just closed for people, no coping mechanisms. To say, to say that there isn't something else filling some of those gaps, I think would be naive as, um, as to be madness. 
But maybe this is just a moment of madness, a pivot of madness for all of us, irrespective of what positions that we hold within society. But certainly as a, as a musician, as a traveling musician, it's been a pretty dark time, a dark period. And we are, well, I'm cognizant. I'm, you know, I understand very clearly that we will be the last people let out to try and return to some element of our normal lives. And even then, it might not be the life that we knew. So my understanding, my resolution, um, my observations were all sorts of things, all sorts of emotions, all sorts of, as I said, mundane observations and some very insightful things um, and also very great respect for some of the people trying to do their best under difficult situations and that we shouldn't give up hope that we get once more to be in a room together um, experiencing music, experiencing um, creativity, energy, all of those kind of things. Um, as gloomy and dour as I sound, um, believe me, if you knew me when I was 16, you'd go, my God, he was born old. I was always like this. It's not like I just all of a sudden happened upon this uh, worldview because of the situation that we're in. I was always like this. And so therefore, it was always going to be the thing, the way that I talked about things, the things that I talk about. And that's just part of what this podcast is. Like I said, if you are familiar with Primordial, you'll know it, um, it ain't power metal. So these things aren't created in a vacuum, my friend. My grey matter didn't wasn't created in a vacuum. Well, I suppose it was in a sense. Anyway, a ramble. A ramble. Maybe some insight. Maybe you wanted to hear more about the technical bits of standing on the stage again. You know maybe that's not quite my style. Like I said, an insightful part mundane, part uplifting, part depressing journey that I went on and back home to a slow movement of easing of restrictions. So let's see how things turn out for the next coming for the coming months. I think it's going to be very interesting for where society turns. Personally, I think we're teetering on a kind of a knife's edge and it really depends on which side we might fall. We might fall in a rather boring and mundane way where we get some things back and some things just never come back. So let's just hope that we get some of the life uh, that we had before that allowed musicians and creative people to go and stand in rooms in front of people who want to hear them play. Because otherwise, well, it is all a bit grim, my friends. Well, that's it. Episode 56. What a ramble. Agitators Anonymous, I'm Alan Averill. Greetings from Planet Satan. You can step out of my head now. Thank you very much, my friends. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.